the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Thank you for choosing 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, Four Kids, Five Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I'm your host for today. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I will be interviewing Peter Rodiga. He is an optometrist. So just stay tuned to 101.9 Hi FM to find out more about your eyes and taking care of them. Get ready for a very exciting show on Hi Kids today. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, Four Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Maria Katz and I'm 12 years old. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So for anyone who doesn't know, what is an optometrist? Okay, so an optometrist is someone who deals with the function of vision and eyesight. So how someone sees or how the eyes work together and what we can do to help somebody. And we also can recognize pathology. So pathologies is a big word for eye disease and when to refer to an appropriate specialist or any other eye care professional. So there's not just an optometrist who cares for us. There's a whole long range of people. Yes, yes, exactly. So what are the what are some types of things that that you can have in your eye, like diseases okay. or defects? Right. So um, some of the defects are um, perhaps, and I wouldn't necessarily use the word defect, but a person could be short-sighted, meaning that their vision is fuzzy in the distance. Or nearsighted, perhaps their vision is fuzzy at near, or has astigmatism, which is again another big word, just that their vision could be fuzzy both in the distance and near, or a combination of all of those. Or they may have an eye disease, they may have um, high pressure in the eye, and eyes like a ball, and it's got lots of liquid in, and if the liquid is putting too much pressure, like imagine you put water in a balloon, then you can imagine that the balloon stretches, the eye doesn't stretch that much, but it could damage the inside of the eye. That's a case, for example, of pathology. Or it might be that somebody has a problem with work, their eyes, two eyes working together. They just can't work properly with their two eyes together, and then we have to see what we can do to help them there. So can you explain the different parts of the eye and how they function? Sure. So very simply, there's a clear pathway is needed for light to focus and on the inside of the eye, that's the back of the eye, that's called the retina, where an image, that's the picture, is formed, and then it's transmitted, it goes, there's a, a nerve from the back of the eye that goes to the brain. And that picture sends, um, like electrical impulses, just like you have your electricity, to the back of the eye, so that the brain can understand what we see. So in the very front surface of the eye, we have tears, and they're very important to keep the cornea, which is the clear dome-like structure in the front of the eye, nice and moist. And that cornea is very important because it helps to focus the picture that we see on the back of the eye. And behind that, we've got liquid. That liquid is very important because that liquid helps to uh, give nutrients to the eye. And then we have that little black hole, which you call the pupil, and the colored path, which you call the iris, which goes bigger and smaller, depending on how much light is needed. So you'll see in a dark room, sometimes the pupil goes bigger and outside the pupil goes smaller. And then you have a lens behind there. And a lens is helps us focus. Do you know like a f- cell phone? You want to take a picture at something at near. It might be fuzzy and then it clears up. So that lens inside the eye helps us 
clear up the picture we see. And then the light goes further behind into like a jelly-like substance, almost like the white of, a, of an egg. And that helps keep the eye nice and strong, like a big. And then at the very back of the eye, you've got uh, the retina, which is really 10 layers, 10 layers at the back of the eye. And that sends the message on to the, from the nerve all the way to the back of your head, the brain. Wow. So it's definitely a very complicated system. Yeah, it is. And I, I can imagine that it takes... You explained it as a whole long thing. When you look at something, it doesn't take three minutes for the picture to get to your brain. It takes instant. It's instantaneous. It happens right away. As you look at something, your brain already like interprets the picture. It, it's exactly that. It's instantaneous. No cell phone can, can mimic what the eye does instantaneously. And you don't even necessarily pick up that there's something blurred that it becomes clear. And it's quite amazing because when the picture hits the back of the eye, it sends like it does in the, um, like an electrical impulse to the brain. But if you, if you can keep your eye still, which most people find very difficult for 10 seconds, just looking at one spot, you'll see that your vision will start to go black from the outside all the way to the inside. Your eyes need to be continuously moving for that electrical impulse to work. Really? Yep. That's very interesting. So you're saying if you, you don't move your eyes and you just keep them open for 10 seconds. And look at something and not move your eyes, yes. That does sound quite difficult. It's quite hard. It's quite hard. But you I'm can definitely going to try that. Mm. Also, sometimes if you keep your eyes wide and you look at a spot, it starts to make your eyes, it starts to make you cry because your eyes need moisture, I'm guessing. Yes, exactly right. And they can't function without that moisture. Yeah, your vision might become a little bit blurry. Your eyes might feel irritated and become a bit red, especially if it happens over a long period of time. So is that how, what blinking does? It brings moisture to your eye? Yes, it allows the, that moisture that's in your eye to be spread across evenly and to distribute the moisture and to excrete the moisture as well. Definitely a big miracle, eh? Yeah, for sure. And how do people get different colors in what you call the iris, the colored part of your eye? How come some people's are brown and some people's are green and some people's are mixture? It's how a does pigment that and um, it probably is genetic, largely genetic. So basically... From your parents, in other words. So some people just have different colors in their eye. That's just how it works. Yes. And what causes people to have to wear glasses? So remember we talked about when somebody sees something that it has to go have a clear pathway all the way to the back of the eye. So sometimes it doesn't go all the way to the back of the eye. It stops before. And then a person will have to, then their distance vision will be fuzzy. And then you need a lens to help bring the picture of what the person's seeing to the back of the eye. Or sometimes it goes past the back of the eye and you need a different lens to bring it onto the back of the eye. So those can be some of the reasons why you would, what lenses would do to help a person see better. So basically a lens just almost speeds up the process or like pushes the picture almost to the back of your eye. Yeah, it bends. In, in a certain case. Yes, it'll bend the light so that it falls in the right place so that the retina can, can, it can reach the retina in the right spot. Wow, that's very interesting. Yeah. Good to know. And who manufactures the, like the frames? So interestingly, and they originated in Europe and some are still made in Europe. But the majority of, and they're made all over the world, but the majority of frames are made in China and Taiwan and Korea. And just like a car doesn't fit in, like every person, sometimes the seat is this way or that way. So not every frame suits everybody or not every frame suits every prescription or lens.
What's the prescription? That's the, what you wear in front of your eye that helps you see better, either in a contact lens or in a glass lens. So it's a different strength? Yes, different, you get different strengths. What, what is like, um, what do you think is the most common? Like, do people normally have, does, do people's um, vision normally like get worse over time? Does it like start off very weak almost, the prescription that they get, and then it gets stronger and stronger and stronger because then it just deteriorates, it becomes worse? It's an interesting question. And it's not so simple to answer, but I'll try and answer it simply in that children, when they're born, for the first year of their life, and even up to two years, can have very high prescriptions. And that's normal, and that's okay. And as time goes by, that prescription goes more and more to normal, to normal seeing. And at the age of two, we like to think, and we know, that the way they see, that will be their prescription, hopefully, for the next while. Before two, they can have a prescription that can be quite high, but we won't necessarily give glasses. So that four or five percent of children who go into grade one are wearing glasses only. But we also know that what a person does can affect how they see. So lots of people who do lots of reading and writing or work on their tablets or other things like that stand a greater chance especially if their parents have fuzzy distance vision of becoming short-sighted, more and more short-sighted. So it's, there's different ways in, in which the vision, the way we see changes, depending on your age and what you do. So, for example, in some places like Asia, they're very short-sighted because they spend such a long time and so many hours every day doing so much near work. So what you're saying is that you shouldn't always be looking down close to you. So sometimes we can't help it, but yeah, definitely we should look up in the distance quite regularly. It definitely helps, um, and um, yeah, and also to spend a bit of time outdoors, believe it or not, also can help as well. So even if you're doing something up close outside, does that still help? Like if you take your homework book outside and you doing your homework outside, does that make a difference? It's a very good question, and the current thinking is yes, that that would certainly benefit you. Is that because you'll just look up or it's just because of the lighting? They think it's because of the light that helps. It's not necessarily going to stop a person, but might slow down the onset, meaning when you start to need the glasses, or hopefully slow down the process a little bit as you get older. Talking about light, can you read in like a dim light? What kind of light are you reading? <laughs> um, I think you can really read almost in any light. I think there's a bit of an old wives' tale that you can't read in dim light. But most probably for maximum comfort, um, the light, you should have a fair amount of light. But that's more for comfort, but not so much for affecting like, how you're going to see like, later on in life. So you can technically actually read in the dim, yes. in dimness. Oh, wow, that's very interesting. Hmm? I thought you just you mustn't read in like not so strong light because it's not good for your eyes. But it definitely isn't very comfortable to read in not so, like not very good light. Yeah, definitely wouldn't be so comfortable. And are there different, so we've spoken about the different types of lenses that you can put in the frame, but are there, I mean, the different types of prescriptions, but are, are there actually like different types of lenses? Explain, what do you mean by that? So like, let's say I've seen someone's lenses that has a split in the lens. 
Right. Yeah. So yes, you get different types of lenses. You get like, that's what you're explaining is what we call a bifocal. <laughs> so a bifocal is in the same lens, it has two different. It allows you to focus in two different places. So typically, as you get older, um, it's harder for us to see close by. So then a person will wear a bifocal to see it near. Or what you're asking me about as well, it's used for different reasons. It might be used because a person has um, their eyes move off to the side, or what you may have heard is squint. And for some people, a bifocal will help that. And also, interestingly enough, um Optometry and ophthalmology are trying very hard to slow down a person becoming more short-sighted. That means the distance vision is fuzzy. So bifocals are sometimes used also for that. Wow, that's very interesting. So on that note, let's take a quick break with the song and we'll be right back. You're listening to High Kids on 101.9 High FM. This is High Kids, Four Kids, Five Kids. My name is Bria Katz and I'm 12 years old. Before I carry on with my interview, I'm going to remind you what the tongue twist is. The greedy Greek geek agreed. And I have a general knowledge question to challenge your thinking. Now, let me carry on with my questions. So before we had the song, we were talking a lot about all the glasses and the different types of lenses and frames. But now, can you substitute glasses with anything else? Let's say someone really hates having something on their face. Yes, a good question. You can substitute the substitutes are contact lenses, and when the visual vision is stable enough, I mean it's not changing, there's also surgery that can be performed, not for everybody, but in certain circumstances. So would that be if the prescription is like at a high point, but it's stable, if you know what I mean? Yes, it might be interfering with a person's life or their day-to-day function, um, and it's old enough, and they're old enough, and the prescription is stable enough, then it would be considered by <clears throat> an eye specialist to do the surgery. Okay, cool. So there's actually a few, there's a, three different things you can actually do. You can have glasses, you can have contact lenses, and you can sometimes have a surgery to yes. fix your eyes. Yes. And then you wouldn't need glasses at all. Uh, so it, you wouldn't need glasses at all if the, with the surgery, unless what happens is a person... Like we discussed earlier, um, they have difficulty focusing it near, and that happens to Bruria, almost all of us, or all of us, over the age of 40. Some people at 40, some people at 45, and some people later. So if you've been, you've had surgery, and you can see very well in the distance, there may come a time that you will still need glasses to help you read at near, or look at the computer. But then your prescription would be better. Your The strength of your lenses would be better. Yes, because you would have good distance vision. But what's very interesting is is that we know that when people have very fuzzy vision in the distance, means they're quite short-sighted, or myopic is the word we use very often. So you asked me earlier, what are some of the things that can... Uh, what are some of the pathologies? What are some of the medical things that can affect the eye? So when a person's very short-sighted, they're at a greater risk, a greater chance of certain things happening to their eyes. So even though, and this is a bit long-winded, even though they've had the surgery, their eye still looks like 
or behaves like a short-sighted eye. So they won't need glasses, but they still should be a little cautious to have proper checkups to make sure that their eyes are healthy. Even for someone who doesn't need glasses, how often should they have a checkup? So um, it depends on a few things. Children, perhaps every year until maybe the age of 16, and um, between 16 and maybe 60, roughly, it's every two years. Um, if there's a family history, and even though they're fine, it might be every year. And for other people, it might be every six months, depending on what uh, what they've come for and what we're looking at. And now what about the other substitute that we were saying about for glasses, contact lenses. So can anyone in any age just wear contact lenses if they want to? Okay, a very good question. So the, the age that most optometrists will look at giving a child children contact lenses is maybe between the ages of 10 and 12 um, as a potential substitute or going hand in hand with glasses. should still always have a pair of glasses. But we, um, children find it a little bit difficult sometimes to put in contact lenses. But interestingly enough, the research shows that children are more responsible very often than adults with contact lenses, believe it or not. Really? That's quite funny. Yes. Maybe because they know that this is a big thing, and if they're going to get them, they have to look after them. And it's not too uncommon um, in certain circumstances to, for children even, like after a few months, a few months old, two or three years old, four years old as well. But it, each case is individual. Okay, and what do you think is the best working contact lens? So it's a very difficult question because there's so many types of contact lenses and it's most probably what best suits an individual. Um, but one or two advances in contact lenses are um, uh, slowing down a person becoming more short-sighted, and that's relatively new. Um, but there's so many contact lenses out there, so... So you just think that there's lots of very good contact lenses, but for each person, a different one is better? Yes. You have to take each person into account, what they need them for, what their eyes look like, um, what you're trying to achieve, and then find the best contact lens for that person. It's very important because sometimes you can think, oh, this looks so similar, maybe I should just give her this contact lens that I gave another patient. But actually, each case is individual and there's absolutely no case that exact is that is exactly identical 100 percent right and you need to definitely take care of your eyes very well it's not just something i mean some you get on a golden platter that we really take for granted but um i think the people who can relate to it most are people who do have glasses and when they take their glasses off they can't see so well so i know i have quite a high prescription and when i take off my glasses things are very fuzzy and then i'm like wow i can really appreciate my eyes and that in the day and age that I'm living in, there's something to, to like cure my short-sightedness. What do you think? What do you love most about your job? About being an optometrist and just working with people and. I like helping people. That's probably the thing I enjoy most, and in this particular way, um, where uh, it's medical, um, but has another aspect to it as well. And it's not quite like a, a doctor in terms of having to deal with things like blood, etc., which is not my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, but helping people in this particular way. I think we all like to help people, but sometimes it's just not in our ability yes. to help people. It's very nice to be able to help someone. It's a good feeling. 
And what do you think is the most useful tool that you use? Because I know that's quite a hard question because there's tons of very good tools. But what do you think is a very useful one? It's a very hard question. But perhaps the machine that when we're looking to see what lens will help you see better is um, that, that instrument that's most useful. Because in a relatively small instrument, it's got hundreds and hundreds of lenses or combinations that we can put up in front of your eye quite quickly and easily instead of putting them up individually. Yes, that would take much longer. Hmm. Said you've just got it all on one little machine. You can just change the lens quickly Absolutely. with one little flick. Is there anything you wish could be like invented or upgraded? So let's say, um, so let's say before that little clicky machine was invented, I'm sure tons of people wish that they didn't have to, tons of optometrists wish they didn't have to take each individual lens and hold it up to the person's eye. So is there anything you feel that should be invented or upgraded? So, um, one of the things that come to mind is we sometimes put a drop in a person's eye, which causes the eye, the black, that pupil to go very large. And that focusing that we spoke about in the lens, temporarily it paralyzes it. So when we put that drop in the eye, depending on the strength of the drop and the, and the type of drop, then that child, and it usually is we give it to children, they can't see clearly at near, and they're very, 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 very light sensitive. And it lasts for 24 hours, perhaps longer, and some of them even longer. So when a, a child leaves, they sometimes can't handle the brightness of the sun, or they get frustrated because they can't see the pictures in a book. And for a child, that's very hard. For an adult, they can understand. So I wish that there was a drop that did the job that it needs to, but it wears off very quickly afterwards. I'm sure it must be very uncomfortable because um, when your pupil expands, from what I understand, you see light more. So like in a dark room, your pupils will expand so that you can see more. So it will be very difficult to go outside and then all of a sudden the sun is like even more bright than it is especially for someone who has sensitive eyes like someone who needs sunglasses and they go outside and even their sunglasses don't work because it's just way 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 too bright exactly sounds quite uncomfortable i don't think i don't remember thank god ever having had that drop i probably did have that drop at some point in my life but at least i don't remember that experience because that wouldn't be a very nice thing to remember no not so nice and what do you think makes you different from other optometrists? I don't know if there's anything that makes me different, but I mean, I have a particular interest in, I went uh, overseas to Cardiff and did two blocks in a master's in children. So from two years old and, uh, and older and teenagers and their vision and, and the difficulties that they may have and to ascertain whether it's got to do with their eyes or whether it's and if it's not the ours, then it's something else, and then somebody else will have a look at that. And the other thing that I have an interest in is uh, people with calling learning uh, disabilities, so the vision of a person who has Down syndrome or cerebral palsy. Um, that's where I have a particular interest in. Definitely sounds like you're a very good optometrist. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and how can people reach you? Um, best is most probably on my landline. It's 011-728-3689. Okay. And where are you located? Um, in uh, the gardens, orchards, uh, near the Norwood Mall. Very good. 
And thank you so much for coming on Chai FM and teaching us more about your eyes and how to take care of them. So thank you to my guest, Peter, Peter Rodiger, and my producer, Mandy and Craig, for pushing the big red buttons. Join us tomorrow for another Kids show, only on 101.9 Chai FM. This has been Chai Kids for Kids. Bye, kids!